0: It helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting.
1: Hi everybody, this is Esther Gallagher, and today we have Andrew Gentry law on the program who we're going to introduce to you in just a moment uh, for our fourth trimester podcast about dads parenting. We're going to talk about The first three months in terms of Andrew's personal experience being an at-home dad, with other interesting things thrown in along the way. Um, Andrew, would you like to give yourself a little quick introduction?
2: Sure. Uh, If you have any questions, please jump in, but I'm sure you will. So my name is Andrew Gentry-Law. I am, among other things, and in no particular order, a marriage and family therapist in private practice here in San Francisco. Uh, I'm also the at-home parent uh, in my family. Um, we've got twin uh, twins, boy and a girl, who are about to turn five, which is pretty exciting around our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. For the last five years, like I said, I've been the, the primary at-home parent with the Task of you know getting kids to and from school and making dinner and doing shopping and all that all that sort of stuff. Uh, in addition to that, the uh, the last couple of years I've run a group for new fathers at Day One Baby in Laurel Village, um, which has been just amazing. Uh, it's been a really great experience to meet and talk with and learn from other dads in the area and so you know I bring I guess to your podcast today uh, sort of the dual experience of someone who's really been through it Um, and we can get into my personal experience more if you like Um, but also as as someone that uh, that you know does my best to offer support to other new parents and other new families and new dads Um, you know there's there's that sense of uh, if there's something that you want to see in the world, you better go ahead and go ahead and do it. and mm-hmm. And having uh, men support men in the, the fathering role uh, is something that uh, I desperately needed when I was coming through the fourth trimester. and um, so it's something I uh, took a circuitous route towards creating. I guess creating is maybe too strong a word, but providing, I guess, is the way to talk about it.
1: Well, I think it's both. Personally, I I like both those words, and I think they're absolutely apropos. Uh, If it wasn't there before, then you certainly created it, and uh, you're providing it. I love that story, and I'm glad that we're going to have the chance to get in a little deeper with you. Uh, It's my story, too, as podcast listeners already know. Uh, There wasn't postpartum care when I had babies, and uh, somehow we muddled through, and here we are, but it definitely drove me in the direction I'm still driving (laughs) all these years later. Andrew, I am personally fascinated to hear you tell the story about uh, the first why don't we start with the first two weeks postpartum in your house, and and what that was like for you and your partner and your babies?
2: So this is not really something that I've talked about in public, uh, except with like really close friends, because we our our family had uh, a pretty, um, unfortunately, it's actually pretty common, but a, but a, but a pretty traumatic beginning. Uh, our kids were actually born at 27 weeks. So we actually spent the third and fourth trimester, uh, with our kids. Um, Mm -hmm. so we had three months at, uh, the Kaiser San Francisco NICU getting used to the idea of being parents and just being, um, sometimes elated, sometimes terrified, mostly exhausted. And when we brought the kids home, um, you know, we already knew them pretty well, you know, it wasn't like, you know, a, a, a typical, you know, what, what one hopes for a, a typical birth where you meet your baby at nine months and then you try and figure it out. Um, in some ways we had a, uh, we had a head start, and we had a whole bunch of incredible care uh, from the, uh, from the NICU nurses and from our physicians and pediatricians and such like that, the social worker that came and talked to us to make sure we weren't falling apart. Uh, you know, all, all of that great, great, great support. Um, you know, they taught us how to, uh, how to bathe our babies. They gave us, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of great, uh, warnings about what might happen, what might not happen, um. So we had, again, we had almost three months of coaching prior to bringing our kids home. And then once we brought them home, then, the, you know, the real work begins. I mean, we. I guess maybe that's not the way to put it because we were working very hard at that point. We were spending eight or ten hours a day at the uh, at the hospital just, you know, being there for our kids um, and doing all the, the, the preemie stuff that, that one does. When we got home, you know, we were fortunate enough that... My in laws live very close, and so they made a big effort to uh, be available to us and to come and do uh, as much as they could to help us with, you know, brand new baby twins. And then, you know, my mom lives down in the Central Coast, and so she came up and, and spent a fair bit of time with us. And uh, luckily, we actually have uh, a couple of friends who, at the time, were doing their, their training as postpartum doulas. So we had them uh, each one once a week. And, you know, some, you know, uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, hire uh, a night doula a few nights a week for a while, uh, which helped immensely. Um, And even with all of that uh, in home support, uh, the task of keeping a couple of babies fed and healthy, uh, at the same time as keeping ourselves fed and healthy was still uh, a pretty steep, a pretty steep hill to climb.
1: I can imagine.
2: So, yeah. So, I mean, first, first two weeks at home, um, I mean, also on top of that, our, our babies came home separately. So my daughter came home before my son by about almost a month. So, you know, the first day that I was home, I I don't mean for this to be all gloom and doom or, or like mm-hmm. this was really difficult, just that it was really difficult. It just is. It just is. Yeah. Uh the first the first day I got home, you know, my daughter was just barely five pounds, and she was the most enormous thing in my life at that point. She still she still is. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks later, Liam came home and he was just as enormous. And Trying to balance the needs of those two with with my wife's needs for rest and nutrition and and support and stuff like that uh, it was it was pretty difficult.
1: You know, you're naming, of course, that span in the hospital where there was a modicum of support for just caring for your babies. But would you mind talking briefly about the kind of support there was for you? or and or your wife just from a purely (laughs) physiological and then emotional social point of view. I mean, each of you was having a pretty profound experience um, in some ways identical and in some ways clearly not Mm -hmm. Um, trying no doubt to be good support for each other when you're caught up in what i can only describe personally as a vortex where things are swirling around you so fast you can barely see them mm-hmm. um so alighting anywhere and getting to have anything for yourself is darn near impossible now of course that's my projection that's my observation as mm-hmm. a postpartum doula but if you can just say a little bit about your personal experience with that.
2: Sure. So, so while our kids, while our kids were in the hospital, um, so first of all, we, we had actually gone to our first birth class, like maybe three weeks, two weeks before, uh, Jessica went into preterm labor. And so we were just getting started on that whole process. Um, but we had also been, uh, Jessica had also been in the care of the the midwife and the doula that was going to. We were we were on point for doing a home birth. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what we were thinking, but we were on point to do a home birth with uh, with twins. Um, so we so Jessica already had a, an enormous amount of coaching and support for her health and well being from uh, from our doula and, and midwife. Um, they were amazing. They were amazing. So you know, a week before our kids were delivered by emergency C-section, um, you know Jessica goes into the hospital, and you know l- luckily we were able to keep Jessica healthy and, and keep the babies in for another solid week, um, you know to grow and get strong. Anyway, we 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 already had that 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 relationship with our midwife and our doula, and the night that you know it was like okay, these babies are coming, they're coming out now. Um, our, our midwife, uh, drove across the bay to get right to us, you know, probably 15 minutes before Jessica was wheeled into the OR for a C-section. And she stopped, she just looked at me and said, look, we've barely met. I don't know you, but I know Jessica and she knows you well, here's what you have to say. This is what you do I'll be here to take care of Jessica. When the babies come out, you go with the babies. I'm like, okay, done. Mm-hmm. So even though I, you know, I didn't have a lot of contact with, with our midwife, um, she was amazing and gave me the, 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 the centering and the grounding and the courage to just go in there and support Jessica. And then to be there for my kids, mm-hmm. like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, So when they, you know, when they were delivered and rolled down the rolled down the hallway to the NICU, like I was with both of them and, and that's where my experience began. Like I got really high on adrenaline and stress hormones and just being excited to be a dad and there's a big job ahead of us and yeah, my babies are a kilo each and they're covered in muck and this is really scary and gross and who knows what's going to happen, um, But I got really, really high, yeah, and I stayed high for a good, solid year. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, you know, their mom is recovering from a C-section that we were prepared for, didn't want to have, and you know, she's she's a doer. I'm, you know, there was nothing that we could do to avoid that, and so she. I don't mind, I don't think she'll mind that I say so. She, she got pretty shattered by that whole experience. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was difficult for, for us to connect in that spot. Cause like I was holding it all together for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, we were in a very fortunate position where her, her employer was incredibly generous with us and our family and like gave her the time off and, You know, kept us in house and home and all that. Um, So she actually had had the opportunity to fall apart, which I think and and to fall apart at home. And, you know, it wasn't fun, but um, she didn't have to put on a brave face and go to work, you know, two weeks later.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: So even, you know, eventually, you know, we got used to the new normal and got used to caring for babies and, and all that sort of stuff. And probably six months into their life with us, um, she started to get better. And that's when I fell apart. Uh, yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, mom, mom's better. She's back at work and, and, and solidly, you know, okay. And then I'm doing the at home dad thing and, even with all of the support and all the good friends and the people that I met at the park and that sort of stuff that gets really lone that re- gets really lonesome. Like mm-hmm. hanging out with a couple of six month old kids, you know, I've barely had any adult conversation outside of Facebook. So, so that's a drag. And so I'm like, yeah, I got to get back in therapy. So I called up my therapist and I, I got back in therapy because that was really, really important for, for me to at least talk to another grown up, but also to just talk about what was going on with me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if and, that really answers your question. But. Oh, it,
1: it very much answers my question. And what I would like to just point out for our audience, um, something that you know is that I, it's my experience that no matter the outcome and no matter how high, good high, bad high, right, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever people feel in terms of high, um, birth and getting through the moment-to-moment, expansiveness of postpartum period is kind of shattering. It does, like, break us down to our core. I think it's meant to, in a way. Everybody has their personal way for kind of coping and or dealing with that. And, you know, it's hard enough if everyone's sort of physiologically intact. If You know, if, if the physical body is pretty well, that doesn't make the social-emotional any less strenuous challenging Mm -hmm. in my experience Mm -hmm. which you know 37 years of experience I look out into the world and observe my clients and even the ones who are having a great time of it look at me during the headlights at some point Mm -hmm. you know and we do you know we do have these markers for when say depression is kind of the catch-all term for it these Mm -hmm. days but when people start to experience coming a little bit unglued and there when partners go back to work I mean that's a classic one Mm -hmm. like when your core support isn't there kind of all the time you can really feel out to sea and like you're just barely keeping your nose above water and it is profoundly lonely being with infants isn't Like pure entertainment and joy and fulfillment, twenty four seven. No, and it cannot be. Um, We did evolve in small groups of people that knew us intimately, Mm -hmm. and that's not how we live anymore. Even if we're lucky enough to have people showing up, right for us.
2: Well, well, I mean, at at some point, at some point, the novelty of a new baby wears off, and your friends and family kind of get back to their regular lives and assume that you kind of got have it handled. And I mean. Either you do or you don't, but you don't really have much of a choice but to try to handle it. Right. That's when we, you know, that's when we really leaned on on our friends that that were training to be doulas. Mm-hmm. Uh You know, I, and and one of the things that I say in in my dad's group is like, look, if you have friends and family, don't you know, don't hesitate to ask for help and ask for more than you need. If you can afford to pay for it, pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have more support than you possibly can imagine, you know, especially in the first three, four months when you're just getting your feet under, under you. But even, you know, the rest of the time, like even, even if you're fortunate enough to have, you know, someone that's got a job that's lucrative enough that somebody can stay home, they need support. You know, they need a mommy's helper or a daddy's helper or a, you know, a a part-time nanny or something like that. You know, it can't just be evenings and saturday morning that they get to go off and have a facial or whatever you know it's great. like no there's like there's a grown up there that needs to like continue being a grown up and if that's going to mean you know either investing in having you know your mother-in-law come and live with you for a while or you know having a having a nanny or getting them into daycare or something mm-hmm. you know? it's maybe not the way it was supposed to be but it's the way that it is
1: Right. Yeah. It's what we've
2: got. When our family kind of got back to their regular lives, you know, we were just sitting there one, you know, one evening after the kids were finally asleep and we pretty much would collapse on the couch and binge watch Mad Men. And, you know, in between episodes, you know, we're taking a bathroom break and getting some more popcorn and, and we, uh, we kind of did the math. I'm like, okay. So when a newborn comes home, it's usually, dad, mom, maybe grandma, maybe and grandpa. So maybe it's three to one, four to one, you know, adults to baby. So, you know, we figured with two babies and two of us, we were down by at least four people in terms of the typical support that somebody can imagine having in the first, you know, in the first uh, four months of their babies being around. That's not to say we're special. I think that's that's pretty typical. You're usually short of grandma and grandpa. You're usually even with a single baby. You're usually short grandma, grandpa, grandma, grandpa, aunties, uncles, everybody else. It's supposed to be around helping you, but they're not, and it's yeah. not it's not their fault. That's just how that's just how we've organized it.
1: Not only that, I don't know what your experience was, Andrew, but um, what I continually get just being interviewed as a potential postpartum care provider for potential clients is, you know, um, one of the three things is, you know, our parents aren't around anymore. I mean, when people are starting to have their babies in their thirties, their parents might be in their seventies in some cases. Right. Ours are right. And um, our parents are around, but they're no longer that able-bodied or we don't have such a great relationship to our parents. Uh, we can't imagine them being appropriate support for us so if one of those three three things is on your mm-hmm. list uh, that really cuts down your possibilities. We love our parents but we can't imagine them supporting us in the way that we think we're going to need to be supported and that' so that's the fourth issue right we want them to come visit we'd love to see them but they're they don't know how to take care of us
2: well there's 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 two things to say about there's there's a fifth thing to to add especially here in the bay area which is where everybody is from someplace else yeah so so grandma and grandpa are on the east coast or in you know some you know some place overseas yeah they're in india they're in you know they're in the uk wherever that wherever they're from uh, and it's just not possible for them to be here But then in terms of we can't imagine our parents taking care of us that way or we don't like the way grandma or grandpa, you know, were like, I don't like the way they raised me. I don't want them near my kid, you know, and anywhere in in kind of in that spectrum is like the thing that I encourage my dads to talk about with with their partners, but also with their potential caregivers, whether that's a doula or grandma or grandpa is like get really clear about what it is you need help with and get really clear with grandma and grandpa. Okay. So you're not so great at playing with the baby, but you're a wicked cook mm-hmm. cook us a month's worth of dinner and stuff it in the freezer and we'll call it good,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, or, you know, you're really great at hanging out with the baby, but um, you know, she needs to have some downtime too. So don't be like all up in her face all the time with, you know, playtime and this and that. But, I mean, just be really particular with it and understand that, you know, yeah, that's your mom or your dad that you're talking to, but you're the grown up in this situation. It's your baby and you're in charge.
1: Yes. That is such a great point, Andrew, because so often I'm interviewing families who are so enmeshed in a dysfunctional way with their parents that when I make the strong suggestion that, you know, there's appropriate care and not appropriate care they look at me like I could never say anything like that to my parents. In which case I suggest, in, well, then maybe your parents shouldn't come because right. you're going to need a certain kind of care. And anything that's outside that is either too much or inappropriate. So you know, yeah. how, how do we find a way to communicate that and make sure that you understand what your needs are in advance so that you can communicate them, but also, like you just pointed to, this these are your children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you are the person in charge, even if you do it by default, <laughs> you're the person in charge. So, it's helpful if you can get there, you know. So, yeah, but, and it's at a time in your life, if we're talking the first six months, honestly. You're really vulnerable. You, most of the time, you feel like I'm not sure I know what I'm doing.
2: I'm not sure I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm not. I don't want to adult today. I want, yeah. I, I want my mommy to take care of me. <laughs> yes, yes. And and my mommy's trying to take care of me and doing her best, and I see that, but it's driving me bonkers. Um. I mean, that's. It seems. <laughs> Thanks,
1: to, mom. Yeah.
2: Right. Thanks, mom. I my,
1: my mom was so sweet to me when I had my daughter. And she dropped a pot on the floor and I almost lost my mind Yeah, just because I just couldn't sleep. You know, I just, yeah. I mean these little things that happen can just kind of throw us over the edge. Mm-hmm. I think it's so hard to understand how wide open and vulnerable we are in those first months as parents, you
2: know, totally. and
1: if, if people around us, really can't hook up with that and understand it and be protective of us, then we need to protect our babies from us. You know, they need to support us so that we can have a direct bonding and supportive experience piece of the art. Newborns, not that them being cared for by other people isn't wonderful, but you know that too much can be too much. Right. But just having a sense of being held ourselves is what we, really benefit from, I think most not being told what to do, but being sort of nourished and supported.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, um, our our family, again, we've, we've, we've had really the best of what started out as kind of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Our, our, Our parents have been have been enormously supportive and have been there, you know, in, in the best way that they can be. And, and that's been, that's been fantastic. Um, what you're what you're saying about sort of the the uh, the emotional state of new parents, um, you know, in terms of just like being wide open and kind of wanting to be parented yourself while you're having to like take care of a newborn and all that, um, you know, it 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 puts me to mind of of what preparing for parenthood is like, and preparing for parenthood like really does go pretty deep into the first six months to a year after you're. You know, you're always becoming a parent. You're never a parent. You're becoming one. Mm-hmm. Um That's I,
1: the title of my favorite book, by the way. Becoming which one? Becoming the Parent You Wanna Be. Oh, there you go. By Janice Kaiser. It's fantastic. Yeah. I can't mention it often enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so so keeping that in mind, like so much of what we're focused on is getting ready for the birth and just like getting the nursery ready and like all the stuff that goes into it. Um you know, again, we, you know, Jessica and I weren't able to complete our parenting classes. So no disrespect to anybody that's, that does pre-birth classes. Maybe they talk about this. I don't know. I would hope though, that, uh, in leading up to having a child and starting a family that, you know, mom and dad to be can have a frank conversation about, okay, grandma's great at this. She's not so great at that grandpa's great at this. She's not so great at that. You know, somebody's going to be, you know, awesome all the time or not, you know, just maybe, you know, maybe grandma and grandpa really dig in when the kids are five, you know, they're better with older kids mm-hmm. and, you know, that's when they can really be supportive or, great point. you know, or, or maybe grandma and grandpa are far away, but they've got some, you know, they've, they've planned well and they've got some extra money and they can, they can help you support uh, a you know a night doula for a couple of months just mm-hmm. to keep your head on straight. Mm-hmm. Having a, a frank conversation about what kind of resources your family has on offer and is available uh, that that's available to you, and even just getting real about yeah we got nothing so we got to start patching it together from our community and from our friends. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Who do we know? who said? Let us know if we can help you. Okay, there's the list of people who've offered. Who of those people do we actually feel mm-hmm. we, can, we can accept something? And then what is it that we would like to ask them to do? If it's just grocery shopping, that will be huge. Mm-hmm. right? If they can be the ones to go to the store when they're going anyway. Yeah. You know, bring three bags over for you, leave them on the doorstep and go home. Mm-hmm. Without disrupting your sleep, sure, which ma- you're not getting enough of already,
2: make us food, walk the dog, no. take my husband out for a beer. Mm-hmm. You know, take me out for a beer, it, whatever it, it is. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
2: And and not just not being shy about asking for what people have offered, even if they're just sort of offering it as sort of a platitude of like, oh yeah, great. If you have anything, if you need anything, oh actually, can you come do my dishes? You can you come can. wash some bottles? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you so, come take my older child out to the park?
1: Yes. I mean, the list
2: goes on. Sure. Right? And and each one of
1: those things can be critical. So yeah, wonderful. Um, let's um let's circle back to and and of course you did a great description of talking about how the first month was actually not even spent at home. Mm-hmm. And then the first week's home, were actually tag team with your babies. And this is a pretty common experience I find with, with twin parents is that babies don't come home at the same time. Right. right. Um, would you talk just a little bit more about that from your experience? Just in terms of,
2: of actually caring for two new, two infants, yeah, like being actually being home mm-hmm.
1: where the nurses aren't coaching mm-hmm. you. Um, uh, you know, there's good things about being home for real, right? Mm-hmm. Like you lie down in your own bed when you mm-hmm. never get to lie down. Um, uh, maybe a little bit about the emotional quality of making the transition from basically caring for your babies primarily in the hospital setting and making that move to actually not have your wing ladies there.
2: So my personal experience was that it was just, it was like a natural next step, right? I I wasn't, um, you know, like the experience of uh, that some of the dads in my dad's group talk about is like, they handed me a baby and sent me home. And now what, you know, there's that sort of shell shock of like, Oh, now it's all up to us. Not ready. No, not ready. Three days
1: after a birth, not ready. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, uh, so, you know, and and again we we had gotten to know our children in the NICU pretty well you know again i keep i keep mentioning we were able to to rely on family and and professional support, so I didn't feel alone in that right and and Jessica and I are a great team we we couldn't have done it without the other at all, so I'm not sure that I can really speak to the you know it was it was like this in the hospital, and it was really different at home and and shocking it was just the next thing to do mm-hmm. um, and, th- and I think on a day-to-day basis like that's what you focus on is like what needs to happen now and you yeah. just get through the next 10 minutes the next hour the next day and it's a cliche you know the the days are long and the years are short mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. hated that when people <laughs> would say that to me I just want to Mm. just not listening. Have a long day with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, (laughs) but it's, but it's absolutely true. Like you really are going moment to moment from what needs to happen next. And so whether that's changing a baby or calming a crying baby down or trying to boil some pasta so somebody can eat or cleaning an enormous pile of, of bottles and and, and pump supplies and all of that. For, okay, so for me as as, as as the dad, it was just kind of keeping on top of, of the tasks, mm-hmm. you know, one task after another. With mom, it was super difficult be, pretty much because they were in the NICU. They had gotten really used to being bottle fed. Mm-hmm. And so breastfeeding didn't go at all the way we wanted it to. We wanted, she wanted to breastfeed both of them. I won't get into the details. It just didn't work. Trench warfare. It was yeah. horrible for a long time. Wouldn't eat while she was awake. We had to figure out a way to basically dream feed her during the day with a bottle and make in fortified with, you know, you know, breast milk and formula and all that. You know, then she couldn't keep anything down. So that that was crazy making. You know, sort of the the, the details of all of that aside. Like again, I say this to my dad's group from personal experience. Like what you're expecting is a beautiful new age home birth with the beautiful oxytocin high of the instant bond with your babies and breastfeeding and, you know, really feeling that threshold, that entryway, that, that welcome into womanhood and motherhood. And you get, you know, a traumatic birth and and breastfeeding. That's, that's not going at all. That can, that cuts right to the core. And I won't speak for her, but I can, I could see how deeply, scarring that was how deeply hurt and disappointed she was and, and the enormous amount of effort that she put in to feed those babies and to try to feed a baby pump for a while feed another baby pump for a while you know in instead of like oh my god I'm up every three hours feeding my baby it was I'm up every three hours and it takes me an hour and a half to feed my babies and pump and then they're up in another hour so like we're not sleeping at all um, yeah,
1: there's there's gotta be a better way. Well, no, yeah. there wasn't. Yeah. There was not. No,
2: there no. wasn't, there was just no, there was just no better way than, than what we wound up doing. So, you yeah. know, yeah. so back, I guess back, back to your question of, of like, what was the emotional difference? It's like, at some point, like I said, at the beginning, I was, I was still really high on dad hormones and like on just the, the taskiness of it all mm-hmm. and like, oh, this is a big problem and I can fix it. You know, not that I could fix it, but for for a lot of the first four to six months of having babies at home, we've really, I really had to put on hold any of the, like, really feeling deeply any of the shock or the hurt or the disappointment or the fear. Like, that. Just, there just wasn't room for that. Yeah. Like, I could talk about it, but I was, like, all up above my eyes and, mm-hmm. you know, there was just no room for that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jessica is having you know, just this crushing experience of being a first-time mom. And it's not going anywhere near what we expected it to be. We love our kids, but we're just kind of hated being parents. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: You know, it's like, this is not what we signed up for. So, I mean, in terms of, of like, the emotional tenor of it, like, I was kind of dissociated, which is a good thing when you're trying to keep...
0: Functional. You know,
2: trying to keep functional. It works mm-hmm. until it doesn't. Um, and so, you know... Except on, like, a functional, like, day-to-day level, like, you know, like, our emotional connection, just, we were not in, we weren't even in the same galaxy. So, I mean, I I think that kind of did a us for a while, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't it?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I honestly don't know how we prepare parents for what it potentially does to relationships we all i think i think it's really pretty normal for us to imagine while pregnant if we're lucky enough to have a pretty deep connection at that stage of our lives and of course not everyone does um that bringing the babies in is just going to deepen that and and that somehow that's going to be immediate and perhaps sometimes it is that way well, if it is
2: fantastic, um,
1: and if it is, that's what everyone hopes for. And it's my observation that there's so much that mediates that and can, you know, bring stress in in such a way that parents feel, I wouldn't say disconnected, but like sort of, um, like whatever that connection is, is 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 pulled out to its you know if you think of it as as a r- rubber band or, or rope or something like it is pulled out and stretched to its maximum with you at both ends sort of circling the room trying to hold it all together mm-hmm. and well and
2: and it's you know a part of an on an online dads group called becoming dad mm-hmm. which is fantastic yeah. um and it's shocking the number of of Dads that say, "I've got a four-month-old baby, and we're filing for divorce." Right. Exactly. So, I mean, sometimes that connection just can't bear it. Yeah. You know, and who right. who knows what's going on? But, um, you know, whatever connection was there it gets stretched past its limit, it. yeah. and that that's shockingly common.
1: Yeah. And super sad.
2: Really, really sad. Yeah. And I, I was one
1: of those. You mm-hmm. know, I was a very young mother in a relationship that couldn't.
2: Couldn't, couldn't hack it. Couldn't hack it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I knew before it.
2: Right.
1: And I knew before the baby was born, I wouldn't have it. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't. Uh, you know, knowing in advance that something isn't tenable doesn't make the strain or the, the or the hope, right? That that you're oh, yeah, holding you got, you got the at the same time any uh, easier. You know, mm-hmm. it's just um, you're living with this. Anyway, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. I, I always feel sort of kind of hopeful that living in an urban setting, there's a lot of resource mm. and that people will be able to find it. And it's so interesting to me. I'm curious about your experience. Um, it's so interesting to me that people don't find it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, somehow... That resourcefulness does not exist if you haven't heard of it, if a friend doesn't tell you about, you know, like it's not there if you don't have the words for it. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet on a daily basis, even those with kids who say, What's a doula? Mm-hmm. For instance, or oh, you mean my partner? There's a group where they could go and talk about being the partner, and the parent, you know, the parent who's the partner. Mm-hmm who didn't give birth. Um, yeah. Like people have no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, um, it's a huge disconnect in our culture, right? Like you, where, where are you going to hear this from? Not at work.
2: Right? Certainly not at work. Well, it, so and
1: that's where you live your life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise in our culture. So, well, you,
2: yeah. you live your life at work and online. So, you know, if you're not looking for it in either of those places, mm-hmm. You know, I guess um, for for our experience, we were lucky. Like we were among the last in our group of friends to have kids, mm-hmm. so we already knew that is a lucky place to that be. That's a good spot to be. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good spot to be. And um, so we knew we knew that that if we were going to do this well, we needed to have people around us that that could, that could help us. But you're right. There, it is. Um, it is not something that people know to ask for. You know, the, um,
1: Is it fair to say, sorry to break in, but mm-hmm. is it fair to say um, partners even less?
2: You mean dads?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I also mean lesbian moms.
2: Sure. Even better.
1: You know, like, right? Like, who, who tells them, hey, going to be a lesbian mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. here's what you sign up for. I mean, you're pretty lucky if anybody comes along and says... Hey, there's groups for you too. And there are, mm-hmm. there actually are, but you might never hear of them mm-hmm. still.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's important. I will say that there is an enormous amount of support available for parents, especially here in town. If you're fortunate enough to have somebody tell you about it, that helps a lot most of what I've seen that's available for parents is aimed at hetero moms. Mm-hmm. I agree. Which is, which is, I mean, fine. That's, you know.
1: Well, I mean, I do think it harkens back a little bit to what you said about your own experience, which was I started a dad's group
2: uh-huh. because
1: it was well, what I needed.
2: Well, let me let me, and, yeah, let, me, yeah. let me let me tell you a little bit about that, which is, yeah. So this 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 online group that I, that I that I joined and have been a part of is put on by a guy named Darren Maddock, who you should know about. Okay. He's fantastic. Spell his last name for us. M-A-T-T-O-C-K. Great. Uh he is a dad coach and, and birth educator with a, a passion for preparing dads and supporting dads uh in becoming the best dads that they can be. Um and among other things, he's run a group, uh, an online group called Becoming Dads for Dads Only, uh, and it's it's been a, a pretty amazing resource, and it's grown a lot. Um, anyway, I've, I always admired what he was about, and kind of you know put the check mark next to it, like yeah, I want to work with him sometime. Mm-hmm. To make a long story long, mm-hmm. he posted one day, he says, who do I know that might want to run a group in San Francisco? And so I, you know, I replied to him on Facebook, how about me? And, you know, through the, the magic of the media, uh, so our, our friends at Day One Baby over in Laurel Village, you know, who had been there for 30-odd years, I think. Anyway, they had just recently moved... Their space down to a more a more retail retail oriented space instead of a clinic oriented space, and so they had put out to their network, "Hey, we want to do a, man, a, a dad's group. Who do we know?" And it went to this person and that person and that person. Eventually, it wound up with Darren in Australia.
1: <laughs> Outsourced. Yeah,
2: and then and then Darren puts out, "Hey, who do you who do you who do you think would be?" who would run a group. And so it comes back to me here in San Francisco, day one had the idea of putting on a dad's group and just needed somebody to facilitate it. And they'd been talking about that for a long time and they just never found the right person or the right time because, I mean, they've got however many mommy and me groups, you know, for working moms and at home moms. And, and that's a tremendous thing, a tremendous resource for moms to go and just meet with other moms and share Order stories and tips and tricks, and just to have that community and see other moms being, you know, being moms with their with their kids, and just to not be alone. And so, anyway, the the, the word comes out, and you know, I worked with Darren, and, and he he really helped get me set up to be a, a dads group leader. Nice. Um, and, and day one has been fantastic and, and supportive of of having us there. Ours is pretty much. As far as I know, the only official sort of dads-oriented support group for new dads in the Bay Area. That's kind of shocking to me.
1: Yeah. You know, I moved to San Francisco in 92, and there were two men running fathers' groups, and they were wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody just raved about them. Um, you know, but you age out of it in a way. Your kids get to a certain age, and you're kind of moving on with the family. I think that was the experience for them, and, yeah, and it was that. like a real loss to the community. And to tell you the truth, I don't remember hearing about anything much in the interim, except there's a man whose name is Abram Brot, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so there, he was circling around for a short period.
2: So it's it's pretty clear that. The idea that moms turn to other moms for support, whether it's formally in a in a mommy and me group at day one or informally at the playground or, you know, moms mom turning to other moms for support is it's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we expect. And that's what moms expect from each other. I'm not sure that the same can be said for dads. Now, again, my experience of fatherhood is really, really different than what the stereotype would be. Um, mm-hmm you know i'm at the park with my kids with all the other new moms and all the nannies as opposed to after work or saturday and sunday mornings where all the dads are like saturday and sunday mornings were my days off so i didn't get mm-hmm. to the park with when the other working dads were there yeah, as much good point. Yeah. but even even so you know when I, when i am at the park with the other working dads and even when i was at the park with other at home dads we were sort of as a group more comfortable talking with the moms than we were forming our own little clique. And I don't know if that's just a, a, a guy thing or what, but the idea that that men turn to other men for support in becoming the fathers that they want to be, that feels pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even, you know, even if it has some antecedents, um, it, it's definitely something that's come to the fore. And, you know, maybe it's just because I'm a dad now. You know, there's, there's a whole world of parenting that I don't, you, you just don't even think about until. But anyway, that aside, like the idea that the dads would meet with other dads and talk about being parents with their children present, that feels pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the main things that, that's one of the, my main goals for our dad's group. It's, it's, sure, tips and tricks and, sh- and horror stories and you know mutual support from one man to another. But the big, the, for me, the biggest thing that we, you know, that, that I demonstrate with the group is watching another man take care of a crying baby and feed a crying baby and all of that. Just watching other men, um, you know, just that 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 silent example of seeing. Oh, I'm not alone in being a dad.
0: Mm-hmm
1: yeah and that parenting gets to be less and less a gender determined endeavor Mm -hmm. you know you can or cannot do parenting based on your gender uh that idea is slipping Mm -hmm. Um, in some place in some families it's completely gone you know which is so refreshing Mm -hmm. to experience and and just as a little personal side note, my own dad said to me when I was having a very fraught and interesting um and emotional conversation with him many years ago when my son was baby. He said to me, I would have loved to be home with you mm-hmm. when you were babies. Yeah. You know, and he was a school teacher, so he at least had summers off when he had, you know. Right. Um, but but the idea that he in his heart would like to have been a day-to-day parent and that that was just completely unavailable. Yeah, it was
2: completely off limits.
1: Yeah, and I'm, and I'm remembering the context for it. I um, Evan was newborn and dad came over to, to visit. We lived actually in a house down the street in a rural place. Evan was born at home and dad came over and I lifted Evan towards my dad and my dad was like, uh, you know, he was very nervous about uh, taking my son, despite the fact that his two hands are bigger than any baby you could possibly drop him. And I was like, Dad, what's what's going on? He's like, I'm nervous around babies till they're about four months old. <laughs> and I said, oh, get over it. And I, I kind of made him take my son into mm-hmm. his arms. And then, of course, he calmed down and he was fine. He had four kids in five years. <laughs>
2: he, knows he had about a babies. lot
1: of experience with babies. Like, it come just on, dad, been, get over
2: yourself, will you? Yeah, it
1: had been 24 years. You sure. know, like, okay. But, um, you know, that generated this whole conversation about gendered parenting and, and uh, you know, what it all means and whether or not it's for the good.
2: <laughs> so a, a few things that, are abundantly clear is, you know, we live in the future. The, the the rules are gone. We make, we can make them up as we go, which is great in a lot of ways and vertigo inducing in other ways, mm-hmm. but there is an unavoidable and, and hugely important gendered aspect to how parents behave towards their children. But gender is not destiny. And just because you're, you fancy yourself, the breadwinner doesn't mean squat about who you decide you want to be as a parent. You get to pick that. You get to decide, oh, being a parent is really important to me. Leaving the office at five o'clock is really important to me. And, you know, especially in the Bay area where we have our children a lot later than the rest of the country, you know, most dads in their late thirties, early forties are pretty senior in their companies and they can, they can make fatherhood look like they want. Yeah, You know, that's one of the, that's one of the gendered aspects of being a man is like, you've got the power in your workplace. Use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so what if you're the first one, especially if you're the first one, because then you can pave the way for the other younger men that are beginning, and for the women that work in your organization. Like if you don't have a parent friendly workplace, you're not going to keep the best and the brightest. You're just not, but Yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: good. Right. I mean, finally, you know, and And it's still, I mean, I think it's a continual thing, right? Like it's, I use this phrase, like every parent who's, you know, about to have their child for the first time is reinventing the wheel Mm -hmm. on every level, including this, Mm -hmm. right? How, what their relationship to work and family is going to be gets reinvented with them. Mm -hmm. Um, how that touches other families. It will, you know, it will, you're not in charge of it, but it will touch other families and not making choices about it is, As we used to say, like, you're still making a choice. You know, if you choose not to involve yourself in that decision process and, you know, imagining what it could be like and moving in that direction, then
2: okay, we live in the future, and we can make it up as we go along and and decide what our families are going to be like. And if it works for your family, that there is a really, you know, what we would understand as, as a really traditional division of labor, dad works, mom stays home. If that really works for your family, there's no shame in that. That's just how it works for your family. And if it doesn't work for your family, there's no shame in that either. You know, I mean, as, 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 it worked out for my family, my, my, my wife makes a, a healthy son more than I do. And we were going to, we were going to burn every penny that I earned on childcare for who knows what, you know, and as it turned out, um, you know, we wound up with a pretty traditional division of labor, except for the gender role. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, I think that I can get away with being an at home dad, like I've, 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 an A plus at home dad's like a C plus at home mom. You know, there's there's definitely a, a a difference in in how we evaluate moms and dads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a whole ocean of information that will tell a young mom that she's doing it wrong no matter what she does. Yeah. And if a dad if a dad picks up a baby, it's like, yay, way to go, dad. So. You're- the best. which is great I mean we need we definitely you know dads definitely need a little encouragement it's pretty typical of a mom's group to get into a, a situation where they're they're just complaining about all the work that they do and that they don't get enough help or they don't get any help or anything else like that and which is legit it's, it's lonely work and it's a lot and it's hard to quantify uh, but then the teacher would say well do you let him help? It's like, no, he would do it wrong. I'm like okay, lady, you yeah. gotta let you gotta let him try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you know You won't
1: know, you won't know what, what it works it, until you try something. Right. right. And, and in
2: life. Right. And so so as much as it's dad stepping in, it's moms letting go and letting dads do it the way dads do it, there's a way that, that both mom and dad you come smack up against your own assumptions about how to perform your gender. You know, if it's about dad stepping in, it's also about moms letting them and, and letting them do that. There's, there's nothing special about being a parent. I mean, if you're especially if you're an accomplished professional, like, you know how to take big problems and make them into smaller problems and then execute on the smaller problems. You know how to deal with people. You know how to deal with systems. You know, you know how to document if that's important, you know, and there are a lot of ways that the, the dads that, that men get, you know, teased for always wanting to fix it. Well, get in there and fix it. You can do this. Don't worry about dropping the baby. You're not going to hurt him too bad. You know, don't, just dig in. Get get up to your eyeballs in being a dad, whatever that looks like for you. It's kind of a a nicer way of saying just get over yourself and go do it. There's stuff that you're going to be scared of. There's stuff that you're going to wonder, you know, how the hell am I going to get through this? There's going to be stuff that you do that you regret. At the end of the day, you learn from that, and you and you learn more, and you do better the next time.
1: Failure's more interesting than
2: success. It really is. You know, it's certainly more poignant. There's a there's a group you probably were of hand in hand parenting mm. uh, down Perfect. down the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do listening groups. You know, they do they do they do one on one listening. Parent, you know, they they have they form listening partnerships where you just call and you talk, and the other person doesn't fix it; they just listen. They're like, yeah. Okay, my turn. Oh okay, yeah, um, great, great organization for for support at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can feel safe to just just to let it all hang out. Because I mean, what's the first thing that you say when somebody asks how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. There's a big push to be fine mm-hmm. and to have it be all okay. There's so much media that, that, that we pull in that is just showing us only the the, the highlight reel. Yeah, and and shows us that. You know, if you're not, if you don't keep your house absolutely perfect and feed your kids organic food that you grew yourself, that you're somehow failing your child, you know, you're not doing it right. Who wants to be subject to that kind of shame mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis? And then who wants to admit, oh, yeah, I did this thing that I'm really not proud of and I feel terrible about, um, you know, who wants to talk about that online or in person or anybody else? So definitely... You know, back to getting ready to be a parent, getting ready to be a family, like lining up. Okay, who am I going to talk to when the shit hits the fan? You know, who's, who is that? And, you know, obviously talk to your midwife and your doula and your pediatrician and, you know, your OBGYN and your psychotherapist and your lawyer and everybody. (laughs) Just talk to everybody. that You know, your, your, your friends that have parents, your friends that have parents, your parents, your friends that are parents. (laughs) Yeah. You know, getting that sorted out kind of ahead of time so you know who to call. I know you're doing all that you can I wrote the song, simple and true I wrote the song, I'll sing a song for you
0: You got your wheels, you got your gears
2: You ride around town without any fear You got your pedals, you got your brakes You always wear your helmet for safety's sake